This is part 37 of our episode about a Star Wars story, Solo, Rolo's Candy. <laughs> I almost want to write like an opening text for Rolo's now, like, hunger plagues the galaxy. <laughs> I don't know. There's something. It is a time of hunger. <laughs> hunger in all caps. With random words capitalized that are plot significant. There is a lack of chocolate across the known galaxy. <laughs> can can we just all caps the prepositions, please? Welcome to Better Worlds, a podcast exploring geek culture across mediums. I'm Trevor. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dustin. This is part two of our conversation about Solo, a Star Wars story. Spoilers within. You have been warned. Here be space tentacle monsters. On to Kira. Sure. Having not, I don't know if her name was said in any trailers, but I had just seen her name spelled out and had not watched any trailers. And so I'd been trying to figure out how her name was pronounced for like the past five months. And I was glad to finally hear it so that my madness could end. My best guess was Chi-Ra. <laughs> yeah. Like Chi charging. Yep. <laughs> like the wireless phone chargers. And then Ra like the sun god. <laughs> I think Kira is better. Well, you know, it's Chi based on like the Chinese concept of life energy, right? Yeah, I do. No, it's it's wireless charging, Matthew. So Chi-Ra, what, it, like that concept with the sun god would actually be interesting in some sort of way, even though it's a complete mashup of different cultures and is like some new agey dealy in that sense. But All good points. A linkage of like life energy to the sun. I guess it could be vaguely poetic about basic food chain-ness or something. I don't know. Anyway, go on. Or a Kira. solar power startup. What about syrup? I said a solar power startup company. Oh, Chira. Make it happen. Make it so? <laughs> sure. So does she occur in any stories outside of movies? New character. New character. Okay. I, for one, was surprised that she went to the dark side or whatever was going on there at the end. The bad guy side? The bad guy side, yes. I was surprised by that too. I 100% assumed that she was going to buy it. I thought she was a goner from the moment she was introduced. I thought, you know, she's not around 10 years from now and with Han, so she must die right now because naturally that's a logical progression of thought. Yeah. The way she was acting when he was when she was trying to get him to leave I thought she was injured and was about to die. You said bite it, right? Buy it? Buy it. Like buy the farm? Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Is buy the farm a, a phrase? Yes. Okay. Wait a minute. It might mean something completely different. Oh, nope, to die. Okay, yeah, die. I understood you. Did you guys like the character? I thought she was all right until the end. <laughs> I didn't like her till the end. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was like, oh, this character's so boring. I can't figure out what her deal is or if she matters at all. Oh, cool. She's turning bad. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was no Poe, that's for sure. That's a good point. But I still didn't care about her very much. And I couldn't figure out, like... I had a really hard time figuring out... I mean, I guess it's supposed to be the fact like it's supposed to be the case that you don't really know what her deal is, but like I kind of thought she was just being trafficked. And then I thought, well, maybe she's just like this guy's favorite floozy. But then it's like, Oh no, she is actually, I, I didn't realize she was actually his top Lieutenant. Like she said until that guy was dead. And I feel like it should have been a little bit easier to tell that she was actually his top Lieutenant before then. Am I the only one who was confused by that? I mean... I thought that he was just saying, like, 
she's my favorite. I didn't take it as okay. actually my top lieutenant. Okay. Floozy is the wrong word because that implies promiscuity on her part. And I was thinking that she was a victim in it. Right. I took with it being like a criminal underworld type thing that people are generally lying and manipulative. So he probably says that about anyone he's trying to manipulate at that particular point in time. Yeah. So I guess maybe she might not even have known where she stood. Yeah. That's a good point. But it's like, and then at some point I even thought like maybe she just like served drinks or something, but then she was dressed different than the other waitresses. I don't know. Maybe they didn't need to do anything more clearly than that, but I just had a hard time figuring out what her deal was. But anyway, I guess I was on the same page as Han, so that works. It increased your immersion in the movie. But I thought I I enjoyed the twist of her taking Voss's place. Can we just go ahead and talk about Darth Maul then? Sure. So whenever they mentioned, uh, I don't remember exactly the context, but somehow they mentioned that her boss had more powerful bosses. And from that point, I was thinking, oh, he probably reports to the emperor or some other Sith person because i didn't know what time period we were in so wait yeah we would have an emperor at that point so i wasn't surprised to see someone like darth maul on the viewfinder but i was surprised to see darth maul specifically oh wait there i had a question related to that does the emperor know darth maul's alive at that point yes does he care define care well, I mean, his whole thing is probably like the strongest whatever Sith should be there. I think Darth Vader's probably the strongest at this particular point in time. Does he care because Darth Maul was like defeated by an, a Padawan Jedi? Does he care given that he lost horribly and then had to, I don't know, get chicken legs or whatever happened and work <laughs> his way back up to running a... I'd, More solid legs. Like, is he even on the... Like, even if he knows, is he significant to palpatine at all he can't be a benny sith anymore right isn't that what they're called benny i don't know though uh the two bainite bainite sorry yeah a bainite sith because there would be more than two of them at that point yeah um he is nothing to palpatine at this point like in an extremely pejorative way he's nothing to him um and uh, okay, so you know how, in a certain sense, Anakin died on Mustafar, and yeah, Darth Maul survived. Or sorry, Darth Vader survived. Yes. Um, and granted, uh, Anakin was christened Darth Vader before Mustafar, but it was on Mustafar that Anakin truly died, and Darth Vader was the only thing that came out of the lava. Um, so for him, Darth Maul died and only Ray Park is left. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a handful of different actors who voice him in the different properties. Um, (laughs) Darth Maul died on Naboo. Maul survived. Um, Palpatine Sidious left him for dead and considers him nothing. Maul was he survived and was animated by pure hatred and desire for revenge on <laughs> Obi-Wan and Sidious. Um, he, he wanted nothing in the world more than to end the Sith after that because they left him for dead and abandoned him and didn't help him. But he survived. This is all covered in the Clone Wars cartoons. I won't go into a whole lot of details. He goes through a series of various robotic lower halves of his body. In uh, <laughs> they diminish in ridiculousness, um, implausibility as he goes. <laughs> so he, when he is first found, he is completely crazy. And has these, like, the lower half, like, he's, it's literally like he's a centaur, except, like, whatever a spider centaur would be called. And he has, like, a robot spider bottom half. Um, 
his brother nurses him back to mental health and gets him some nicer uh raptor legs pants um robotic like raptor legs he runs around on those for a little while and then he replaces them with more typical cyborg legs question if you have raptor legs why would you go with regular hominid legs well they don't know about dinosaurs in the star wars universe (laughs) i think they got chopped off again was the reason (laughs) and i'm not joking i i know that um i know there is a friend listening right now who loves maul and remembers specifically i'm sorry i don't remember i think that his raptor legs got chopped off the spider legs he voluntarily surrendered for the raptor legs i think the raptor legs got chopped off he had various encounters with um dooku uh he fights palpatine at one point he murders a bunch of jedi He's involved in various criminal organizations. At one point, he is the political leader of Mandalore. Spoilers, I guess, for Clone Wars. Um, but like he literally he he manages to get to the head of the terrorist organization that is temporarily running Mandalore. Um <laughs> and all of the Mandalorian terrorists add little horns to their helmets in honor of him. <laughs> Cartoons guys, you gotta watch him. Um I gotta give him some props. Like if I kept, if I literally, if I got my legs chopped off and then got replacement legs and then had those chopped off, at some point I'd like probably start developing a complex and just not even want to go back out there. But he keeps going out and trying. Yeah, he keeps going out and trying because he desires nothing more than to destroy the Sith. Doesn't that make him like the most Sith Sith ever? Kind like of, kind super of. Super animated by yeah. hatred. Um. So yeah, he does fight Palpatine at one point, but gets his butt handed to him and he he shows up again in rebels a little bit older um still working on that plan to destroy the sith uh i won't go too much into the details of that but that part is actually the stuff in clone wars is kind of crazy with all the like different robot legs the stuff in rebels is pretty cool though like i'm not saying the stuff in clone wars isn't cool in its own crazy robot leg kind of way but the stuff in rebels is cool in a more Maul is fairly straightforward and believable way. And until he becomes a planet. <laughs> Are you referring to my favorite Last Jedi fan theory? Yes. That I developed in concert with listener Aaron, who is the person I referred to earlier. Yeah. So Aaron and I would come up with like for, I think for like all the previous star Wars movies, we've been coming up with these crazy theories about Maul. And then for solo, we didn't even talk about it <laughs> and or for, yeah. For Solo, we didn't talk about it at all, and boom, there he is. <laughs> I heard a lot of people in the theater very confused about the timeline after that. And they were assuming that that meant these events must have occurred before the Phantom Menace. They didn't notice his robot legs? I guess not. Did you feel that this helped validate the prequels in a way? In a way that other people were wanting to be more dismissive of them? It felt more like it validated the cartoons. Okay. Um, just kind of like, I mean, people are pretty dismissive of the cartoons because like, ah, it's a, it's a kid's show. I don't really want to worry about that. But then it's like, okay, well now you're the one who's confused because you didn't pay attention to the cartoons. So, which, and that's fine. People don't want to watch the cartoons, but it does kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Validate. That's the word. It just kind of validates the cartoons in a way. It's like there is actually stuff going on there that does have an impact on the movies. It's a two-way street. Did you just roundaboutly say, no, it is they who are confused about a great many things? Sure. (laughs) Okay. I suppose by extension, it is somewhat validating of the prequels as well, because one of the big complaints people had about the Phantom Menace is that they thought Maul was a really cool villain who was wasted. I actually, I was once again in the minority on that i didn't think maul was interesting at all in the phantom menace um (laughs) and so i was fine that he got killed i was just really mad that he killed qui-gon because i really loved qui-gon but maul seemed like a lot of hype for no particular reason at the time 
now I like him because of all this additional story that's been added that makes him kind of cool, especially the stuff in Rebels. And especially even, man, I, I shouldn't say too much stuff about the Rebels stuff because it's cool and it would be kind of spoilery. We'll forgive you for not saying anything. But he does, um, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I wish people would just watch season three. And two, seasons two and three of Rebels are the thing to watch if you want to know about Maul. Where can we watch it? They're not super easy. They're only on, like, you have to pay for it on iTunes or whatever. Yeah, they're not on Netflix or anything. Probably someday on Disney's streaming service. Maybe for at least the two of you, one day I can show you the couple minutes that kind of finish the storyline. Because you could appreciate that even without all of the backstory. I'm game. And I guess for the people who I won't personally show that couple of minutes, there is an encounter that closes Maul's storyline in the episode in season three of Star Wars Rebels called Twin Sons. I am not necessarily advocating skipping everything, but if you can find a way to watch a specific encounter that happens there, it might be worth your time, even if you don't want to watch the whole series. If you're interested in how Darth Maul ties into everything. And yeah, I'll stop. I'm going to try to stop. (laughs) Carry on. I thought it was strange how he randomly activated his lightsaber, held it for a second or two, and then deactivated it. That felt kind of pointless. And my only explanation was we needed a lightsaber somewhere in the movie, and there it was. Yeah. It It would have been kind of nice to say that it was the first Star Wars movie without a lightsaber at all. But yeah, there you go. (laughs) I don't know why they needed that. And today around the dinner table, I was talking with my kids and um, Janelle and Jorma were actually talking about Darth Maul's lightsaber. And Jorma hypothesized that there were two blades so that when one ran out, he had another one. Which begs the question, do lightsabers ever run out of juice? No. They are infinitely powered. Interesting. Yes. Would you like to know more? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not typing the search right now. The lightsaber is powered by the kyber crystal. Right. And I hear that the strongest stars have heart of kyber. Yes, they do. Or yeah. is that what is that the line? The strongest stars have hearts of kyber. Yeah. Well, actually the Wikipedia page is kind of contradicting itself because it says it's a plasma blade powered by a kyber crystal. But then if you scroll down a little bit, it says the weapon drew power from an appropriately sized power cell. Appropriately sized power cell. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess that doesn't really answer how they are infinitely charged. Yeah, I thought that it was the kyber crystal itself that... I Well, I've never... I feel like this is one of those things where the information kind of changes over time. I don't know if the kyber mm-hmm. crystal is powering it, pow, powering it or focusing the power. I guess it is, it makes, in light of current canon, I think saying that it powers it and focuses the power would both be appropriate. Um, I've seen some stuff that shows like, uh, what's it called? No, I guess, I mean, there's been so much different information over time. It's just hard to keep track of. But they are, they do essentially have limitless power. Okay. Yep. Cool. Any closing thoughts on Maul? Were you guys at all confused when you saw that? Not confused. Okay. But I knew the thing about the chicken legs. So okay. I was like, oh, he upgraded, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I knew that he had chicken legs, which I guess now are, are actually raptor legs. <laughs> Well, yeah. So, so, okay, um, there was a comic called in in one of the in one of the Infinities comics. 
there was a story about him getting robotic ostrich slash chicken legs and going and finding Obi-Wan on Tatooine and fighting him. And then they took that concept in the Clone Wars stuff and they had the spider and then what I think I've previously told you was ostrich legs, but more recently thinking about it, it's more like kind of raptor leg kind of thing. Um, and then more just human legs. Um, but yeah. So you might be thinking of the, that original infinities comic I had mentioned when you're thinking chicken legs. Sorry, I interrupted. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. You knew about the chicken legs. Oh, Oh, okay. And so then I noticed that they were definitely not chicken legs. They looked like hominid legs. Uh, so then I was, I was one of the people that was confused about the timeline, but not because I thought it was before Phantom Menace. I was thinking, well, I guess I just didn't really know where Darth Maul showed up in the cartoons. And, um, I was wondering if that was consistent with where the rest of the story seemed to be taking place because I didn't know his upgrade cycle and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. Well, this would be nine or 10 years after the clone wars when he got those current legs or legs that look like them. And then rebels doesn't happen for another five ish years. And that's when you see him as like, old man mall i mean he's not really that much older i'm just calling him that he disguises himself as an old man when he first shows up he's like hobbling around with a cloak on and you don't know who he is so i think of him as old man mall there but that's just me okay should we have been confused no i was just wondering because i heard a lot of other people expressing confusion at the timeline oh okay it fits well enough that i'm a little ashamed of myself for not seeing it coming Oh, so you were surprised with Maul? Yeah. As well, okay. Even when they first showed the hologram and he hadn't taken the hood off or anything yet, I was wondering if they were going to try to like bring in Snoke or something, and I was like, please don't be Snoke. Don't be Snoke. Oh, it's Maul! Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I never even thought of uh, Spork coming in. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense for him to be running a crime syndicate, but for Maul, it makes total sense because, you know, he's just he's just kind of doing everything. Like, <laughs> he tries to get revenge on this person, tries to get revenge on that person, runs a planet, runs a crime syndicate, gets a ship for a little while. He just he just kind of goes through all the different options. Nice. I wanted to make a, a comment like, "Wow, he's going to have a really great resume," but it's like that concept would just be so nonsensical, <laughs> like. And I ran a plant like it was. (laughs) You know, your resume looks great, but we see here that you've killed several thousand people. (laughs) Would you like to tell us more about that? (laughs) Yeah, and but given his um, physical disabilities, they would have to. I don't know. He could probably. I don't know. I could see him like pursuing a wrongful, just like unfair hiring practices if he was shut out of any job under accessibility issues no you weren't unfairly discriminated against you you've killed thousands of people but i have legs. <laughs> i don't have legs i was just imagining him making excuses about the people but they were really good people <laughs> yes sir that's the problem <laughs> many of them were children <laughs> no <laughs> you see they were alive no i mean honestly he would probably be more like they were in my way that doesn't excuse it, sir. <laughs> Did you ask to m- politely for them to move? <laughs> I mentioned that I really hate the Sith and I want to kill them all. Oh, well, that that's a redeeming quality. We work with that. I also hate the Jedi. So there's that. <laughs> oh, that's a little rougher. And I hate you. Give me this job. <laughs> oh, man. I can, can I tell you guys the little... I, I still just want to say it. I want to say it. I have the video... I think I can, no, there's a, there's, there's a little bit of, what? Hmm. I have a, I just Googled Darth Maul closing scene, twin sons. Oh, you found it. I've, 
well, I, I found several videos, but I haven't watched them yet because then I couldn't hear you guys. Okay. There's a cool twist that I want to mention, but I don't feel like I should. You shouldn't mention it before I watch the video or? I just, I feel like if anybody's going to watch Rebels, then it would be a disservice to mention it to them. Well, you could mention it. I'm not going to watch Rebels. So you could say it uh, here since you want to, and then just edit that out. Snip, snip. I just, uh, can I tell you guys? Do you mind? I don't, I don't mind, know what but... you're worried about, so okay. sure. The twist is that by the end of his life, although he still kind of wants revenge on Obi-Wan, still his his top motivation is still that he wants to destroy the Sith. Such that he, by the end of his life, he actually is favorably interested in the prophecy of the one who will destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. Hmm. I just thought that was a cool twist by the end. Like he is interested in a positive way in the chosen one because yeah. he's realized because it would bring about the downfall of the Sith. Yeah. Cause he's realized that he can't do it, but if the chosen one can, then he's all for it. Yeah. That's, that is a good twist. Yeah. So, and they, there's not like a huge exploration of that. It's just a little tidbit at the end that I thought was cool. Can we talk about L3 now? Yes. Or L337? Is that her full Leet? designation? <sighs> yes, it is. I'm comfortable just going with L3. Yeah. Trevor, you sound a little bit sad about that being her full designation. Um,. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just also, don't. Also, f- you, you seem to disagree with the best character. Um, Do you guys put. Okay, so. Moniker that we put. Oh, Matthew, were you the one who put that on the topic <laughs> list? I did. I, I'm. Go ahead and say what you want to. I'm. Don't. We can Do you like M3? What? You can go first. I. Go ahead and say whatever you want. No. No. <laughs> I'll say what I want. (laughs) So I'm watching. And so as she's leading the rebellion on Kessel, I think to myself, you know, L3 might be my favorite character in this movie so far. And literally after I finish thinking that thought, she gets shot. It's the kiss of death. Yeah. (laughs) That character seems cool. Dead. Yeah. I think like every time she talked and started doing things, I was like, I like her more. I like her more. And then I thought this sound and I had this thought like, this is how I felt about uh, K2 and then uh, from Rogue One. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, wait, that means. And then like, (laughs) (laughs) and then I just was like, why does every droid I love die? Why can't you kill the ones I want to die instead of bringing them back with a red arm and then killing off all the good ones? Whoa, hold on. Whoa, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) That's harsh. I don't actually want I just. Poe did not have a red arm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, the droids, I have no emotional investment in. I guess I like R2. That's not fair. I'm trying to think of a droid I don't have an emotional investment in other than L3. Not thinking of anybody. Battle droids? I love battle droids. You kidding me? The Rolly droids? Those are pretty cool. I love droidicas. The droidicas were a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, Oh, I know. Gonk droids. I love gonk. I want a whole <laughs> I know, movie I know, about I'm gonk. <laughs> the one that's like just a rolling tower with spider arms coming out of the top. Isn't there one like that? I was going to say know. that's a vehicle, but it's a droid vehicle. So <laughs> a droid vehicle. You're talking about the, it doesn't count. Wait. The, I don't know. One of the things the that they're spider tank? out. Maybe it's the spider tank. I'm talking. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in A New Hope, the Jawas are bringing out their wares to sell to the Lars family. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's a tower with spidery things coming out or if it's a little dome. Oh, here we go. Um, it's a. Are you talking about Treadwell? No. 
septoid. I don't know if that's really a name. I'm putting a link in Trello. Not Trello. Cast. I bet you're talking about Treadwell. It might be called Treadwell. Yeah, it's Treadwell. The The mere fact that you know its name indicates that you have a, an emotional attachment to it. Oh. What about R5-D4? I, that is the closest. Yeah, I, I don't have any particular strong attachment to the Treadwell droids. Oh, it's not. Oh, so, that's a type. So good job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Treadwell is like a whole group of droids. What about mouse droids? I love mouse droids. R5-D4 <laughs> you mentioned. I love R5-D4. I think he's a hero. I've thought that for years, and I'm glad that it's canon. Yeah, me too. Oh, by the way, what did you think of that book? I was extremely disappointed in the book from a certain point of view, which was a collection of 40 short stories. I thought maybe three of them were worthwhile. How did you feel about it? I enjoyed it. There were several stories that I was like, mm, I don't like this. Let's see. I liked the story about our 5D4. I liked the story yeah. about the Jawa. Yeah. Um, I liked the story of the guy who didn't shoot down the escape pod. Mm, I was not, I didn't care about that one as much. You didn't care for that one? I don't remember that one as well. So okay. that might be part of it, but you know, looking at the spider droid, it's remarkably impractical for a desert planet. Since it has like the treads on it. Well, I guess the treads, I was looking more at like how many joints and in its arms it has and just how many places sand could get in and gunk everything up. Yeah. Like it just, I, it would not last. <laughs> no, don't tell that to R2. <laughs> R2 is at least a little better sealed. than Actually, now that you mention it, um, in one of the deleted scenes uh, for A New Hope, I think it's the first scene that Luke would have appeared in. He's working on Evaporator with a Treadwell droid, and he sees the battle going on, and he rushes off to Tashi Station to tell Biggs about it. And he's like, come on, Treadwell. And or he might call it something like Treddy or something. I don't know. He's like, come on. And the droid like gets stuck or something. Mm. And he just kind of goes, ah, and leaves it and hops in a speeder and drives away. That's a little cold. <laughs> so it actually did kind of like get stuck. I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to just be like, I need to stay here and work. But my impression was it was stuck. Anyway, we were talking about L3. You guys liked L3? Yes, I did. Yeah. I that she had some of the best lines. Can I, is there anything you need, or can I get you anything? Equal rights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I laughed at that. I I'm getting the impression that Trevor just really didn't like her. I I don't know why either. Like I just didn't enjoy that character. So you hate the Millennium Falcon's navigational system? That I felt was kind of lame, and that. Is so okay. That's another thing that is from old canon. The idea that the Millennium Falcon's computers actually contain multiple droid mines or ship mines. And so the Millennium Falcon in old canon was kind of schizophrenic. And that was part of why it was difficult for 3PO to talk with it. Mm. And it would sometimes just like argue with itself and stuff. So in a way, they're kind of recanonizing that because now there's an extra droid brain in there. But it's also kind of annoying to me now that people are going, it's almost like appreciation of the Millennium Falcon is now going to be superseded by appreciation of L3, who is a character that I didn't really care about. I don't know why. I just didn't really particularly enjoy anything about her. So... Like she had a like few funny lines, but I don't think I found her as funny as a lot of people did. I enjoyed that she was passionate about what she was doing, and then she seemed to really find her um, purpose in life in starting a droid rebellion. And then I loved how it's the only time there's a robot uprising in a movie that I'm not intrinsically horrified by it. And that was in fact kind of <laughs> rooting for the robots. Like It definitely had a kind of a children being released in the temple of doom feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the droid uprising 
was funny. I did I did think that was funny. I just like that the Imperials felt so threatened by it that they immediately called in a Star Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the day we've, pro- we've prayed we never had to deal with men. <laughs> We're going to just firebomb the planet from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> the extremely volatile planet that has unrefined um, whatever uh, fuel. MacGuffin. Fuel juice. Hyperfuel. Coaxium. Coaxium, that was it. Hyperfuel, which happens to be in tubes that look just like vibranium. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I when <laughs> when Vision pulled, I mean, Paul Bettany pulled the stuff out, I was like, oh, he's going to make himself a vibranium body now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think, although I enjoyed the droid uprising, that whole heist situation was kind of hard to follow what was going on. Well, you see, they had to get more of the MacGuffin and fly it back really fast because it was unstable MacGuffin. Like, they they were pretty good about explaining the way that they needed to fly it out really fast and get it stabilized. But they, I felt like the action on Kessel was really I see. kind of in disarray. And I like my heists a little cleaner than that. Yeah, it wasn't really clear how the heist was supposed to unfold on Kessel. I mean, really, it didn't feel like a heist because of how disorganized it was. More like a military assault. Yeah, and like, I mean, I've mentioned in Thor The Dark World when they break out Loki out of the prison. It's not technically a heist, because I don't think it really counts as a heist if you're breaking somebody out of jail. But it's formulated as a heist the way they tell the plan and kind of show what's happening as they explain what's going on and everything. This is a heist, but it's not really formulated like one it's formulated just like kind of a chaotic action scene. And I would have liked to have had a heist formula to it, not formula, but format. I would have, I would have liked to have understood what was happening a little bit better. Yeah. And Okay. Here's the other question. What, having just watched this movie, what do you guys think is mined on Kessel? Well, from that, it seems like the uh, uh, coaxium. I I kept thinking oxycodone for some reason. Mm. The coaxium. But on Kessel, it's it's a spice. Did you also get that impression, Matthew? Well, whatever the thing they... They make the the raw stuff from the volatile thing that has to be refined into coaxium. Well, it's unrefined coaxium, but there's spice mines on Kessel. Yeah. So did they say in this movie that they were actually mining the coaxium there? Or was that just the impression? Did I just get that mistaken impression since they were stealing it from there? I don't know. They said something about it being the only source, so I don't know. Or because, oh yeah, I yeah, thought that they that. said there was like a fissure that was. I thought they said there was a fissure that was being mined, and that's why there was a lot of unstable coaxium there. I thought they said that, but I wasn't quite sure, and that's part of why the heist was confusing to me because I was spending that entire time thinking, wait. Is this a coaxium mine? What about the spice mines? There are spice mines on Kessel. They're supposed to be mining spice. They're not supposed to be mining coaxium. They're supposed to be mining spice. And like, I'm trying to work through this whole thing in my head while all this chaos is happening. I do recall them mentioning spice whenever they were talking with, uh, when they first landed. Okay. I thought Kira said something about spice. But Matthew's right. Whenever Kira is whenever Han brings up the idea of what about unrefined coaxium, Kira does say the only source of that is on Kessel Hmm. or something like that. Okay. It's so, and this isn't just some weird expanded universe thing. C3PO says in a new hope will be sent to the spice mines of Kessel. So that is like canon from the very beginning that spice is mined on Kessel. So, I guess maybe more than one thing is mined there, but that's not really how Star Wars works. There's one thing on a planet. So (laughs) that was perhaps the thing I was 
most uncomfortable with in the movie is that I was kind of confused about what was supposed to be being mined there. I guess both. It's almost like they had this valuable commodity that they, but then they also wanted to work in Kessel somehow. Yeah. And yeah. And they couldn't just have him flying spice out because they needed the unstable fuel for reasons. I don't know. It still could have been spice. They still could have made something up about the spice being unstable and it would be worthless if it went flat or something. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it was the only source of Dr. Pepper concentrate and to know what it teaches. <laughs> the funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing about all this is that in Dune, spice is essential for space travel mm-hmm. because the only way to successfully navigate interstellar routes is for guild spacers to use spice. <laughs> um, so it's like, I don't know. It's the, the whole spice thing in star Wars definitely comes from Dune along with a lot of stuff about Tatooine. But then in this, they're not talking about spice, but they are talking about something else that's essential for space travel and they are doing crazy navigational things and like, Somehow it all like ties back together and folds in on itself. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you guys enjoyed L3, I guess. It was annoying how clearly L3 and Rio were both fridged so that we could get Han into a pilot's chair in different scenarios. Yeah. And I mean, they did bring in oh, we're going to unplug L3's memory unit and put it into the computer. And um, so she's not really dead. But then we don't ever go back to her. Like, it's not really her anymore. It's just the maps. <laughs> um, yeah. They do say something about, oh, L3's plotting a course. But it's it's not really the same. And I don't know. I wish there were ways of getting Han into the cockpit that didn't involve killing off characters. Like we should have known from the start, whenever Rio and L3 were both introduced as pilots of various space faring vehicles that they weren't, there was going to be some reason that Han became the pilot of those things. Yeah. But I didn't. So, what about Val? Do you think she got fridged? I don't actually know who Val was. Wasn't that Beckett's wife? Oh, mm, maybe. Were they married? I think so. No. Oh. Who's whose uh, character did she further? And that is the question. Okay. So does that mean you so do in- not think that she was fridged? She was maybe senselessly killed, but... I thought that her character name was Val Beckett, but it looks like I might have been mistaken. What is her character name? Just as Val. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah, it was his wife. Well, I don't know if she was or not. I thought... Oh. I thought it was his wife. But, yeah, maybe we're wrong. If she's not his wife, that would explain why Beckett was not very broken up about her dying. Yeah, maybe. Although I thought they were going to retire together. They were. I felt like there was like no reason for her to die other than to get her out of the way. Yeah. So she wasn't fridged per se because she didn't further anybody's character, but she was cast aside for no really convincing reason. Yeah. I would agree with that. I don't understand why they even needed to blow up the bridge. So that they could have that spectacular train crash. (laughs) And the suspense of can Chewie unlock the car by himself (laughs) turns out he's strong guys he did it we are in spoilers right yes okay (laughs) and apparently there was only one car of the train that was towing coaxium because there we didn't get that yeah crazy bubble explosion whenever the train crashed yeah, just the one car. Okay. What do you think, Matthew? About whether or not she was fridged? Was there like any point for her to die? 
Um, were you? Uh, I think your assessment just to make room was <laughs> like yeah. they. I don't know. They. I wasn't expecting that she did, and then they did, and I was like, "Oh, well, I guess they're just gonna kill everyone." But, um, whatever Woody Harrelson's character's name was, Woody Harrelson as himself. <laughs> Have we talked about the uh, Millennium Falcon in the way that you wanted to? Or were you wanting to talk about the design of it? Actually, I got one more thing to say about the Millennium Falcon. Okay. I don't understand why it looked so good at the beginning of the movie. Like It it kind of took me out of it a little bit because it was so clean. Yeah. And I guess they kind of explained... It's like the ship is supposed to be like... What is it, like 80 years old around A New Hope? I don't know. And it looks like it's old. But then 10 years earlier, it's just pristine. And they explain the exterior damage with the Kessel Run events. But why is it so messed up on the inside? Like, why is it grimy? Maybe they're really bad at cleaning. (laughs) That was going to be my only suggestion. Maybe I'm off on the timeline, but I feel like it's supposed to be like 80 years old at the time of A New Hope. And it looks like brand new. Yeah, I didn't get the impression that it was supposed to be brand new in this movie. I th- I mean, he built was talking about than, different... What's that? Built more than 90 years before the Cold War. The Cold War? Yeah. The Republic and um, the First Order. Huh. I think the Cold War is something like 10 years after the Battle of indoor up until the destruction of the Hosnian system. So let's see. Just uh, spitballing it. That would be what, like 60 years before solo. 60 years before hello. Solo. 60 years before solo. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Don't check my math, but that's close enough. Sounds Point good. is, it's yeah. supposed to be pretty old ship by then. Right. But, I mean, I guess Lando cleaned it up. I, it just looks so pristine. And then in A New Hope, yeah. it's so grimy. And it feels like it's got more than 10 years of grime on it. Yeah. Which is why, in canon, they say that it's as old as it is. Because it looks like it's been through a lot. It looks like a hunk of junk. And yes, 10 years can be a lot. But it was several 10 years before that so it has been through many 10 years i don't know i was i was just a little thrown by that i guess also that was a huge escape pod i think that was just an excuse to make it look different for marketing reasons and the millennium falcon has escape pods anyway where was this the escape pod um Lando had put an escape pod in the mandibles and then they launched it to distract the giant tentacle oh, monster. That's where the escape pod was. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know why the the front of it was all closed up. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, he said it was an escape pod and he must have made like a luxury escape pod because the Falcon has escape pods already. And I guess he just wanted something a little more cozy. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, he's got a lot of capes. On the note I said earlier about Lando, even though he's suave, still having like his mistakes and setbacks, the fact that the Falcon is impounded when he first takes them to it is one of those things where like he acts like everything's going his way and he talks a big game, but his ship's impounded. And he's even so bold as to gamble using it even when he's not in possession of it. So that's just kind of goes along with why I feel like everything you've heard about me is true kind of works for him, even though it might backfire. The fact that it could backfire so easily just kind of goes with the fact that he sometimes makes mistakes and still just talks a big game through it. See, I feel like it's really easy to gamble with something you don't have. Well, they were both doing that. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they were both so easily like. Yeah. It. Actually, um, 
am, am I making too much of the connections to the older books or can I say one more thing? Go right ahead. Um, I don't think there was any cheating in the old Sabak game, but the bit of trickery that was pulled is that Lando Han convinced Lando to bet any ship on his lot because Lando owned a used spaceship lot at the time. And Lando said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll put up those stakes, any ship on my lot. And then Han claims the Falcon. And he says, clearly I meant any ship on my lot that I'm selling as my business as a used spaceship salesman. And Han says, the Falcon is on your lot. That means I can have it. And he goes with it. So it was not that they were like cheating at the game or anything. It was just, but uh, Lando also did not voluntarily gamble the Falcon. He got tricked into gambling it essentially. That's all. Oh, and I didn't say much about Sabak, but I was excited to see Sabak on the big screen, but I was a little disappointed in how it was portrayed. Um, and I, I'm complaining about all these things because I care. <laughs> I, I did like the movie. I just, I don't want to lose sight of that. I did have fun watching this movie, but with the Sabak in all of the accounts I've read about Sabak, one of the most unique things about Sabak is that the cards themselves can change. They're not just ink on paper. And so the cards that you have in your hand at any point, there could be a shift and those cards change. And if you want to lock a card in, you have to put it in what's called the interference field on the table to lock that card in. And so um, it was just kind of weird seeing it played just with paper cards because like this was the one chance to actually see it and have those cards as described in the book. And they just were playing like a paper card game like I could do myself. It was like if somebody read a Harry Potter book and then they were excited to see Quidditch in a movie and then the wizards just played soccer instead. Yeah, yeah but it's wizards playing soccer instead of normal people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're getting in this movie. Yeah, okay. I immediately just to jump to like as soon as the how does soccer start with a whistle or do they whatever. I don't know. A gun. However or however they start that but then just no that's american football Sorry. everyone <laughs> everyone just pulling out wands and you hear like 20 simultaneous cries of avada kedavra and just everyone <laughs> is dead <laughs> that's dark so sabak <laughs> i would have liked to have a little more clarity in the movie about what was happening in the game and it might have been more clear than I realized. And maybe I just need to rewatch it to be able to catch that stuff. Could you guys tell what was going at all? Like what was going on at all with the card games? No, it was no. just poker. Okay. Yeah, it felt like it was just a poker stand-in. Yeah. yeah. It felt like a poker stand-in with a winner card. <laughs> yeah. Which actually <laughs> kind of fits my... Uh, Quidditch analogy. Yeah, it does. Since it basically just gets won by whoever catches the, the the gold bug. I mean, in a way, it could be like a Joker's Wild type thing, and that's they're playing the Joker. Or, I don't know. Is that how poker works? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You're asking the wrong crowd. <laughs> I I would have kind of understood what was going on if it was the idiot, um, but I don't think it was the idiot. So idiot, I need to rewatch and figure out what's going on. What are you talking about? The idiot. There's a card called the idiot in Sabak. Oh, okay. I have a question. And Sabak is just for the record, more like blackjack than like poker. But yes, in the movie, they made it look like poker. What is the card game that they play in from a certain point of view? I think it's Sabak. It might be a different variant. Okay. Wait, are you talking about the one? No, you're no sorry, that's not Sabak. You're talking about the one where there's just one card and you just have a conversation with the person. Yeah. That seemed way more interesting than And then you have to guess if your card is higher or lower. Is that the one you're talking about? That is the one I'm talking about. Okay. 
that is not Sabak. I don't remember what that was called. Okay. That was way more interesting than any card game they could put on a movie screen. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And the Sabak games that I've read are more interesting than what we saw on the screen. So I just, (laughs) I, on the one hand, I kind of understand not dwelling on it for too long. On the other hand, it's a Han Solo movie. You're going to the trouble to put in the Sabak game and a decoy Sabak game that makes us all think it's going to be the Sabak game. And it ends up being not the Sabak game. So you're going to all this trouble. Why not make it a little more interesting? So I was, that was one place where I felt it just felt a little bit short. It's still cool seeing it, but could have been cooler. Did you guys talk about happy? Um, I, that was Rico or Rolo, whatever his name was. <laughs> Rio. Oh. I couldn't remember his name. So I put him down as happy. He, oh, he was voiced by I gotcha. John Favreau. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also just want to say, I didn't care about that character at all either. I found it interesting how he died. Fail shoulder wound. Yeah. Well, when that's shoulder wound is like the standard Hollywood. Oh, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Didn't Han like kind of think he was going to be okay. And then he looks over and the guy is killed over dead. And he's like, Oh my gosh. Like not, I mean like internally, I feel like I'm, I might be embellishing my memory of this, but I feel like, Han kind of thought it was going to be okay. And then he looks over and just like realizes that Rio just killed over dead. And he's like, uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. I think there was something like that, but yeah. Uh, on the other hand, when you have that many arms, <laughs> everything's kind of a shoulder wound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. My favorite is in those scenarios when someone gets like shot through the abdomen and then someone just looks and they're like, no, I think it missed your more, it missed all your major organs. Like how can, (laughs) I guess if you're really, really used to seeing shots, maybe, but feels like, are are you 100% certain on the angle of the shot? Like (laughs) I have a lot of organs clustered in, in there. Like, are you sure it missed all of them? See, I was thinking, that's not how abdomens work. <laughs> They're like all there. Like an intestine is an organ, man. And I'm pretty sure it hit one of those. And I don't know. <laughs> and that's a pretty serious wound. Yeah, just put some back on it and it'll be fine. <laughs> well, he died from a ruptured heart, but there was no infection. So. <laughs> I think the first aid was 100% effective (laughs) within the scope of my abilities to treat the wound. Um, I had one thing I wanted to, and Trevor might have seen this. Do you know how Paul Bettany got into playing um, the name something Voss? Dryden Voss? Is that right? Sounds right. Um, Do you know how he got into the role? I heard that as soon as the news came out that Ron Howard was taking over directing, he contacted Ron Howard and he was like, please put me in this movie. So let me, I have the exact story up. Okay. So he heard that Ron Howard was um, taking over the movie and then he texts Ron Howard because I guess he has Ron Howard's phone number and says, who doesn't? Hey, Ron, have you ever spent long winter evenings like I have wondering why you're not in a Star Wars franchise? (laughs) And then... Ron Howard just responds and says, lol, give me a week or so. And in two weeks, he's flying out to play the role in this movie. Which was previously filled by a different person. (laughs) So it's just uh, apparently if you're friends with Ron Howard, it opens up a lot of doors. (laughs) How did it feel watching him die again? (laughs) Well, in in this case, I, I mean, I wasn't like watching the vision die so okay i was just wondering if it uh felt that way no he was kind of evil in this one yes or afraid for his life i guess i don't know he was pretty creepy i didn't quite what were the i i was confused about what his facial scars were supposed like did he get 
mildly swiped by a Wolverine type? I think or? those are stretch marks. <laughs> <laughs> Is he one of those aliens like in Men in Black where his head gets shot off and it just like regrows? Except if it happens enough times, he gets stretch marks. <laughs> Very quick dovetail relating to Men in Black. Apparently they're doing something that might be like a reboot or some they're doing another men in black that's slated for next year at some point the two title agents are thor and valkyrie slash chris hemsworth and tessa thompson and i just felt like if that sticks i'll be like interesting i don't know anyway i just wanted to throw that out there so the answer to the scars is that dryden voss is not human oh so <laughs> they're not scars they're a species trait it di- I did not get that at all. It looked like he yeah. suffered a horrid wound. Agreed. And given his rough occupation, I would assume he got in a really bad fight and just survived and healed. So they could have done a better job with that. Yeah. Um, Wikipedia says he is near human, which is human adjacent. Yeah. Didn't they give a shout out to some one of the bounty hunters? in this movie that I felt like I remember hearing. Wait, hold on. Oh, sorry. I just, Oh my gosh. I read further down the article. Dryden Voss was portrayed by Paul Bettany. The character was originally going to be played by Michael Kenneth Williams as a motion captured alien character resembling a mountain lion. Huh? Williams was not available for extended reshoots. And that is why Ron Howard was able to give him the part. A mountain lion. How would a mountain lion have wielded those uh, doubled knives. Well, I, for one, think a cat would be good at using knives since they basically have... Uh, and felines have claws that are knife-like. So yes, but they don't have opposable thumbs. They would be adapted in a way that would allow for them to just kind of, like, close their... <laughs> grip with their claws. If he... <laughs> If he had looked like a mountain lion, then the entire time he was on screen, I just would have been thinking, Khajiit has wares if you have coin. <laughs> yeah, maybe they thought about that. What does that even mean? It's a Skyrim thing. Oh. They're oh. these cat people, and they are often traitors, and when they're trying to get your attention to look at their stuff, they say, Khajiit has wares if you have coin. Gotcha. I mean, I don't really want to call them traitors because they're kind of like the gypsy stand-in. So I feel like that's kowtowing to the stereotype. How so? Oh, traders! Trader. I heard tra- no. They trade. <laughs> Trader. They trade various goods and trinkets. Yes. <laughs> they are merchants. Merchants. Let's go with that. They get treated very unkindly by everyone, which is yeah. not fair because they're very. I I enjoy them. One of my favorite things about the movie was all of the artifacts in Dryden Voss's offices. And I wished that I could just pause and linger on them. I think in several months time, you will be able to um, fulfill that wish. If anybody would like to send me a visual guide <laughs> for the movie, I'm sure that it will have pages and pages. It seems like a bad idea to have a big um, stand of jewels when you're constantly inviting low lives into your office <laughs> that cracked me up because the jewels one looked so fake they looked yeah. like just big hunks of glass two even if they were real i have no doubt that many of the artifacts would be worth far more so when they were like oh we could pick up some stuff and like make a bunch of money and they looked at the jewels i was like there's no way those are the most expensive thing there there are like priceless artifacts in this room and you're going to go for the jewels. But they could be the most easily portable. Like, sometimes you have to think about what you can smuggle out easily. Oh, and fungibility once yeah. you have them out, yeah. Like, more people are going to be able to pay a lower amount, sure, but are going to be able to pay for the jewels versus if you have a priceless set of armor or weapons or whatnot, yeah. you have to find a very specific buyer. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I have this priceless Sith artifact, and Palpatine is the only person who can afford it. I don't really want to talk to him. <laughs> Like a bag of diamonds is, yes, going to, you You could sell that in a lot of places. Or you could have the Mona Lisa, which would fetch a higher price than probably a bag of diamonds. But it, you need the right buyer for the Mona Lisa. Yeah. 
Anyway, I also just talking about the things I liked. I have mentioned a couple of the references to um, bigger universe stuff, and I just want to acknowledge there are many, many references to stuff in the greater galaxy, including some older EU stuff that wasn't necessarily canon, but it's just nice to hear it mentioned, like Lando and his memoirs and... um, the I mentioned Terrace Kasi. I'm not remembering the other ones off the top of my head, but there's a lot of references. Um, there's some stuff with Rebels as well. The ship that Han claims to have, I think it's the VCX 100. It's the same model as the the Ghost, which is the main ship in Rebels. So there's just a lot of references, and it's nice that they were able to do it in a way that is not uh, intrusive to the story. It didn't feel too heavy-handed. Did you guys think it was heavy-handed? No, I didn't think it was heavy-handed. Okay. I just wanted to know if it was just me. I thought that it was integrated nicely in a way that it was there to be appreciated, but not in a way that got in the way. That's about all I've got to say. Did we just make another two-parter? Probably. Yes, we did. Look at the time. You can find the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 37. You can find us on Twitter at betterworldsnet, and you can join our Slack group at slack.betterworlds.net. Thanks for listening. Go then. Should I watch the solo uh, trailers? No. (laughs) Not now? Later. (laughs) I mean, you've seen the movie. It's not really. I didn't have much of an epiphany while watching the Infinity War trailers. So, Yeah, the solo trailer was actually just three minutes of Darth Maul spinning his lightsaber back and forth. It confused us all, but makes mildly more sense in context.